Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Gina Versa. Hey, how's it going? I'm um, pretty good, and it's going actually really good because we have an old friend and guest of the show, uh, Richard Newby. Welcome back. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Uh, really good to have you back, man. Uh, you're always nothing but a pleasure to talk to about movies, anything in general, and you have been uh, a busy bee a lot lately. Have, so. Yeah. Uh, any anything you want you want to highlight or like comment on? I mean, you you you're doing great work over at Heat Vision, and I recommend everyone go check out Richard just on Twitter and everything. So please go do that after the show or during the show if you're not driving or something, because. I've been told some people listen to it while they're driving, and I'm like, yay, it's exactly the vibe I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of stuff uh, at Heat Vision over at The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, that's been a lot of fun, um, covering a bunch of different genre stuff, uh, horror movies, superhero movies, sci-fi, action, all that good stuff. And that's perfect, because that's all we're going to talk about today. <laughs> um, and it's a little funny, because usually January kind of gets thrown under the bus as, like, the month of movies going, where uh, movies aren't always the best. They're, they're not always appeasing any audiences a lot of the time. And um, I did not see the new grudge, but I believe you both did. And yeah, I know that one I was saw. apparently a little more, like... I, I've seen some hardcore horror defenders... Of it, I, I believe Richard also was was among them. Uh, you, you I, I really them? liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought that it was really uh, unfairly criticized. I thought that it did a lot of interesting things. I really liked that director too, uh, Nick Pesci, who did uh, uh, a couple indie horror movies a couple years ago, uh, The Eyes of My Mother, which is really great. Oh, yeah, and, that's a great um, movie. Uh, piercing, which is kind of this like giallo inspired uh, little like uh, psychological horror film that's really cool. But yeah, I thought he did a lot of really interesting things with uh, this new grudge, and I think that uh, Andrea Riceborough is just like fantastic. Like her perform, I gotta watch her in anything. You know, she's just she just really has such an incredible screen presence, and especially for horror movies, like you can just like see everything in her eyes. Like when she's afraid, it it definitely it hits you. Um, so yeah, I, I wish that you know people had been a little more uh, receptive to that. I think it kind of got uh, brushed off with a lot of the J horror remakes that we got like in the early two thousands. But I think that this is like uh, a, a step significantly above those. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check yeah, it and, out. Yeah, that yeah. was a sell. Yeah, Andrea, uh, Andrea Riceboro really, like, I didn't recognize her at first. Like, she kind of disappears in her roles, too. I wouldn't say. Um, she was good. In, I was going to say she was great, great in that movie, in The Grudge. Or yeah, is it like just I, Grudge? I was going to say that, like, uh, she was, like, I was watching Mandy again, and, like, that movie doesn't work without her performance in the first half. Yeah. Like, at all. Yeah, or she's yeah. the only... She's the only good thing of my least favorite uh, Black Mirror episode, Crocodile. <laughs> oh, that, that that episode is devastating. Right? Uh, I just it is. Yeah, I, uh, it's so dark. It's, it's like it's too it's too it's too much. I don't know. The ending's like too much for me. I'm like, okay, that's that's a little too far, uh, Charles Booker. <laughs> well, speaking of dark, um, like I was mentioning, this is usually kind of like the. The, the dark space of, of film going. Uh, how do we feel about recent Januaries? Because like this last decade, you know, we're coming out of the end of the 2010s, and that decade started with actually what I consider to be one of the best January releases ever with The Grey, which okay. is just like <laughs> th- such an amazing film, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and every once in a while you, you get something. Like I think Nonstop was like a January release, and I really love that I mean, Liam Neeson like owned January for most yeah. of the decade. I guess I thought you were gonna say like the Book of Eli for some reason. I, I like the Book of Eli. Yeah, that, that, that's an underrated movie. Yeah. Um, how, how do we feel, uh, Richard? What do you think is like the the best recent January like experience that you've had? I uh, I really liked Escape Room last year. I thought that was super fun. Um. I think I think there's been a lot of like good January horror movies. I don't know. I mean, I, I love horror movies, so I feel like I see I see pretty much all of them that come out, 
And I know that like January gets like, like you were saying, it gets dumped on a lot for uh, the kind of releases. But I, I think that there's been like a lot of consistently good horror movies for the past uh, few years. Like Split came out in January, and that was uh, that was one that's probably my favorite um, of all the recent January ones. And then uh, The Boy, that uh, William Brent Bell movie with the 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 doll. And it has uh, uh, Lauren Cohen in it, I think. From, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Dead. yeah that one yeah. is is super fun. That one's like a really good uh, throwback to like some of the 80s horror movies. Like it's very, it's it's definitely like pulpy. Like it's not like, you know, A24 horror movie, but it's, it's super fun. And I, I think that that one is definitely one that stuck with me. I haven't seen The Boy, but I know The Boy 2 is coming out. Uh, like, <laughs> too boy, too too bad. Um, yeah. I don't know. But, like, uh, I, I've actually heard a lot of like positive things about The Boy, so I guess I should check that out. And I think it's mm-hmm. funny that you bring up the A24-style horror, because, like, we immediately all got what, that, what you meant by that, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like, I mean, they've made plenty of great movies, too. It's just like, you know, we like... You, you're a horror fan. We're all horror fans here. And mm-hmm. the beauty of that genre and all genres is really that you should be able to do anything with them, you know. And yeah. maybe when you work within the confines of a certain, like, aesthetic, it could be a little limiting. But uh, I don't know. It's all it's all subjective. Um, it's just a little funny that we all understood, like, immediately, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the thing. Um, yeah. yeah, Split Split is one of the best ones. And Gene and I... Uh, actually, we're lucky enough to go to the M. Night Shyamalanathon last year, a courtesy of Beyond Fest at the Egyptian Theater. And we got to watch Unbreakable, Split, and the, the premiere of Glass. Or I guess, like, was that, was that the official premiere? Or just um, like a special no. screening? Special screening, yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, that was a terrific experience. And Glass, being a January film, turned out to be more divisive than Split, which I think is actually funny. But, like... <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that's, I don't know, maybe because it's not like operating on like a traditional superhero storytelling, I guess. It's like kind of, it understands it enough, but it's not like trying to appease that. I think some people kind of had trouble wrapping their minds around it. So I just wanted to take this time to one, talk about Glass one year out from its release, uh, our thoughts on it, and also announce that we are doing a digital code giveaway for Glass for its one year anniversary. So if you listen to this episode, Please retweet the episode on from the Waffle Press YouTube, uh, Twitter account. Like and subscribe on YouTube and SoundCloud for the chance for chance to win, or um, just spread the word. Every every like, retweet, and subscription uh, gets you an extra chance to win the digital code, and we'll announce the winner uh, at the end of the week on Friday. So, go and <laughs> Richard, what are your thoughts on M Night Shyamalan's Glass? Because I don't think I, I've ever. We ever discussed Glass, actually? Yeah, um, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Glass, actually. Um, I mean, I think that Unbreakable is brilliant, and I was like blown away by the the reveal at the end of Split that they were connected. So Glass was like one of my most anticipated films of uh, last year. And the thing is, is that like I had I had no expectations for like where where it would go or like where I wanted it to go, which I think is. It, it might be one of the reasons why I like it so much. I think with, you know, traditional superhero movies, like, coming from, like, Marvel or DC, like, I mean, for me in particular, like, because I read a lot of those books, I do have a certain expectation on how, like, characters are handled and how, like, their arcs play out. But, like, this, like, I was basically just, like, you know, anything that, that Shyamalan has up his sleeve, like, I'm willing to go with. And so I thought it was, like, a really interesting deconstruction of superheroes and like the kind of like mythology that we've built around them and i feel like it's one of those movies that you know like we waited for almost 20 years for uh conclusion to unbreakable or or a sequel and i feel like it couldn't have happened until we had this like giant boom of superhero movies that had basically just like taken over all of our our pop culture and so i feel like he's like really like glasses him just like honing in on like all of these like identity archetypes that we found in superhero uh stories and in comic books and like kind of taking a philosophical uh take on on some of these aspects 
Um, and so, you know, I think that there was some expectation that you'd see, you know, David Dunn, like, put on an actual costume and that his powers would be, you know, uh, I guess bigger. But I, I love that that Shyamalan, like, kept it small. Um, and I, I even love, like, what happens to the characters in terms of where they end up. And it's tragic, but it also, like, I think it's a commentary on... Uh, legacy, which I feel like so much of comic book lore and superhero lore is built around this idea of legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like all the DC comics too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gene, what, when you're out, how do you feel? Yeah, you know, I, I watched it like last night. Um, I just got like the Blu-ray for like Christmas, um, and I was watching all the uh, special features. And yeah, no, I mean it's. It's interesting uh, what you said, Richard, that, yeah, it's like 20 years it took for the story. Because um, I think in one of the EPK uh, interviews, M. Night was like uh, saying how in Unbreakable they had to market it, just not even as like a superhero movie. They just did it like as a thriller. I'm not sure how they came out like 20 years ago, but like the trailers for that were just like train crash and like one guy survives. And it was kind of, it was very like the marketing was like the sixth sense, you know, like a mystery box sort of thing. And it, it came as such a surprise, like, oh, yeah, that's a, it's like a superhero movie. Like, it's like, it's like the secret superhero film. And then Glass, or excuse me, Split was uh, like a secret supervillain movie. And then, uh, like, Glass was just its own thing, you know? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I love Glass so much. I think it's probably, hmm, I think it's most likely the favorite of the trilogy for me um it's probably neck and neck with unbreakable i do like split a lot but yeah i mean um you know i i was very satisfied with the ending um yeah just the way they kept um you know i mean they they had a lower budget but just the way it kind of went on this like belief in like because it's like this uh they're powered by like self-belief almost and that's so cool but I would have liked David Dunn to have a cooler superhero name because I'm not sure if anyone remembers in Unbreakable. He's reading that comic and it says like the Century, and I was like so certain that would be his like name because like the Overseer. I'm sorry, is kind of like uh, it's a little lackluster, but I still love the movie. Were you guys I, I, cool with? I like the, the Century too, but like the, the Overseer is fine. I mean that's. I guess if I have a quibble with the movie, maybe that's mine too. Um, but like when you're out for me, uh, I also, I, it's something that I've, I like more like as time goes on too. Cause I think even on the episode we did on it, Gene, like mm-hmm. when it came out, my, my big thing initially was that like, I, I probably did have expectations for it too, that were like leading me one direction. So like mm-hmm. every 15 minutes from the movie would like bring up a new idea or like start exploring something else i was like i don't know about this and by the time it got to like the next step i was like okay no no, no I, I did like that who yeah and i'd breathe a sigh of relief and then something else would happen i'd be like i don't know if i liked it and it just kept happening and yeah, then i, I ended it. up liking all of it but i was like i just had to go through the emotions of that so constantly i was like did i like that as much as i think i did i i, I don't know i gotta see it again and i saw it again i was like no no this is this is great and yeah. uh it's, it's just this really beautiful story about these people that like have so much like stacked against them and they're they're positioned like to to only be certain things and like their i guess their 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 potential is what was what makes them special too and like how even through all of this like i i understand we can talk spoilers because is this year out now but like yeah i understand why the ending is controversial at least mm-hmm. where it's like oh there's a secret society that was like watching over everything the whole time like I can see why that might read false, but like the the films are all about like those structures already being there. It yeah, just hasn't been it, like personified, you know. Right. And so to me, that was like a really beautiful thing. Where it's like, yep they they still like they won the day, but the people connected to people like David Dunn and um, and Samuel Jackson and James McAvoy, uh, they're able to spread the message, and so no one else has to go with they went through yeah because i was gonna say like oh just that the institutions themselves are almost like the they're the main supervillain in the movie really yeah i mean it it takes place in an asylum like not an accident yeah 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. That's one of the things that I liked about it too is that I think the film like kind of shows this like evolution of you know the actual like it's it's kind of meta in a way like the actual evolution of comic books where you you know started with this focus on you know a hero fighting you know regular street level crooks and then finding a fighting super villains and then you know now modern comics so much of them is based on like fighting uh institutions and these secret societies and you know whether it's like things that have been you know corrupted like shield or uh checkmate in dc like there are these institutions that are like pulling the strings essentially um and so i thought that that was i thought glass like handled that in a really interesting way um and also like the whole like team aspect, like I feel like it it also like commented on how, you know, we started off with these like solo characters who are, you know, having their own separate adventures and they all, you know, team up together. Um, and I feel like the fact that I, I really appreciate the fact that like Shyamalan constantly returns to like physical comic books in the movie, like characters are like reading over them they're like researching them they're like kind of like these sacred texts for him and they're kind of like influencing how they come together and how they make these choices that lead them to where they end up in the end mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a really beautiful story about people and also like like you brought up richard legacy for their identities and also i think just for the the medium itself you know like here's what what came before and here's like Shyamalan's uh not not even passing the torch just like his evolution of it and I, I think that's a really just great way of looking at storytelling as a whole you know I mean fucking Star Wars is like oh, I can't make Flash Gordon well here's my like evolution of the hero's journey and mm-hmm. all my influences and uh it's just really great I think when artists get the opportunity to do that on a larger scale uh, yeah that's uh it's not always it's not always that common unfortunately but uh yeah mm-hmm. we're, we are we are a pro glass podcast don't forget to like, share, retweet, subscribe on YouTube, SoundCloud. Chance to win a digital code. And uh, also, of course, like and retweet on Twitter. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. And now we can go on to another great January film. At least I think it's great. We'll find out the rest of the panel right now. Um, this is the most anticipated film in the history of mankind. Uh, Avatar 2 has nothing <laughs> on this. Endgame is left in the dust. Dark Knight Rises, who? It's time to talk about Bad Boys for Life, the sequel to Michael Bay's utter insane magnum opus about american exceptionalism bad boys 2 uh michael bay did not return for bad boys for life instead i am going to do my absolute best so if i get this wrong i will just put a computer saying the voices instead um directed by adil l arby and bilal fala uh two belgian filmmakers who've only had like some smaller features uh overseas they haven't had a big break in Hollywood yet, but they apparently, I listened to an interview with them and they're like, uh, the only like American filmmakers they studied in, in college were like Todd Haynes because that's all they like teach over there. Like apparently it's like a really like artsy school and now okay. they're making bad boys. And I guess they had this <laughs> pact and they started working together in college. They were like, no one's done bad boys three yet. So if we ever get to Hollywood, we're going to make it. And they did it. And I think it's actually <laughs> really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Gene, you were not always the biggest Bad Boys fan. I kind of dragged you along, like, no, dude, we're watching Bad Boys 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. actually curious about your response to Bad Boys for Life. Um, yeah, it was uh, pretty enjoyable, unexpectedly. Had a lot of, like, pathos to it, like, arcs and uh, character beats, you know? I was like, wow, surprise, in a Bad Boys movie? Like, where they invaded, like, a foreign country? Like, they invaded Cuba? Without any repercussions. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we should also make clear, Bad Boys operates in action movie logic 101. Like, that's yeah. the only way these movies work. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was like, oh, okay. I saw it last night, and I'm like, pleasantly surprised. Um, it's cool um, to see, like, Martin Lawrence back, because I, I don't know, is he retired or semi-retired or just, like... I, I'm not sure if it was out of choice. Oh, yeah, okay. he, he like took a he took a break. Uh, he said that he like got like a ton of scripts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Entertainment Weekly like just did an interview, and he like had gotten a bunch of scripts, but like none of them really like impressed him or like felt like 
something that he needed to like come back to uh, mm-hmm. after he did that third Big Mama's House. <laughs> uh, so he said it was actually a uh, Harmony Karen's uh, mm-hmm. The Beach Bomb. Oh, God. That, yeah. Uh, brought him back, and he just said that his Karen's like vision was so compelling that he just like couldn't say no. And so now he like feels like he's like ready to to step back into the the spotlight a bit. That makes me yeah. so happy because I <laughs> yeah. I really love the beach bomb. I'm I, very I was, pro beach bomb. Yeah, I was gonna say like um, when he when he read the script and he gets eaten by a shark, he's like, "Yes, I need to uh, need to be in this movie," <laughs> or his legs get torn off. Um, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's pretty good. I, I just I feel so bad for his character, uh, freaking. Um, uh Marcus just wants to be left alone just chilling like watching like telenovelas and like you could all I know I I could relate to that <laughs> of it but yeah no and it's also um cool to see uh Will Smith cuz I'm glad he's having the uh kind of renaissance with like Gemini Man and I still haven't seen Aladdin but um I'm told he's good in it Uh Richard what did you think about Bad Boys for Life I loved it. I thought it was. I thought it was so much fun. Um, I, I I really like Michael Bay's uh, two films. Although, like, they're I I actually prefer the first one to the second one, uh, mm-hmm. which I feel like is an opinion that like hardly anyone has. Uh, <laughs> the second one, yeah. just like seems to be like the main one that everybody's on board with. But I uh, I, I really like that first one. Uh, significant. I mean, maybe not significantly more, but I do think that it's the it's the better film. But I have a lot of fun with the. The second one, but this one was probably uh, my favorite uh, by far. I just felt like the thematic arc of the characters just like I felt really came together uh, in a way that it felt meaningful. And it didn't just feel like we're just going to do like the same thing that you've already seen for two movies and like do it bigger, you know, uh, or, you know, with a, a little bit of some of the style from from john wick it actually like felt like it had its own like purpose for existing and actually like challenged the characters and made them ask you know tough questions about themselves and like where they are in their lives which i feel like is a really impressive thing to do uh, especially with like a third entry in a movie that like has been in development for like 15 years yeah um i i loved it it's this is going to be controversial because I actually agree that this is this is a real film, uh-huh. and not that not that Michael Bay makes anything less. Of course, obviously he's an he's an auteur, as we all know. Um, but like yeah. Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two, like you kind of have to be into the Bayhem thing to get something out of those. And I totally get people being like, "That's not for me." <laughs> I, I completely yeah. get it, uh, especially yeah. too because like. Every time I show that to someone else now, they're like, my eyes hurt. <laughs> and, <laughs> I have a headache. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I completely get it. Uh, Bad Boys yeah. for Life, it's the first one where like, I was watching it and I was like, hey, I, I don't just like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Like, I like Mike and Marcus. Mm-hmm. And I, I like them being together. And I like their, their friendship. They're, you know, we, we ride together, we die together. I was like, hey, this is like good for me, like emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and I, I was very surprised by that. What how would it have been if uh, Michael Bay directed it? I like this think it's like better that he didn't. One, because I get the utter insanity that is Six Underground, which is kind of the successor <laughs> to Bad Boys 2 in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this one has a patience that he doesn't have, uh, or at least like not, not on the regular basis. And uh, yeah. I, I will... I will um, promote something like 13 hours to show that like I, I think he does have something like that in him but okay. because bad boys is so like synonymous with like the the high octane adrenaline action genre mm-hmm. that it's actually surprising that there's like emotional moments between these characters and not even just Mike and Marcus but like other people in this movie feel like human beings yeah. like um yeah. like Joey Pants as, as, as the captain again like he got applauses on screen when he, he arrived and at yeah, of my Showing? I think he's kind of been out of the picture too, for a bit. Yeah, he, he hasn't been getting like a a lot of work, I guess. But I, I, I'm wondering if that's like, like, because I guess I was wrong about Martin Lawrence too. Like, maybe, maybe he was just like, ah, I don't know. Like, maybe, yeah, he just you know, pickier with his roles. No one needs to bring him back. He's in uh, Memento. 
Oh yeah, huh? Yeah. He uh this is like a such a crazy fact. He apparently dubbed one of Pantheano's lines in like the very the opening scene where he gets like shot in Memento. <laughs> Owen just did an impression of Joey Pence. That's what that that's amazing. <laughs> no one's like the weirdest dude because be yeah. like, he has this the reputation of being like such a serious filmmaker, but then he's also like he's also a Michael Bay fan. And he's yeah, also like, McGruber. Oh yeah, I, I, I love MacGruber. He like, <laughs> he's gonna get HBO Max on the first day for that MacGruber series. <laughs> oh totally. Yeah. Um but yeah, Bad Boys for Life. I, I was no, no don't apologize. No, we're also a pro Nolan podcast, as we know. Uh uh the the I guess no like heavy spoilers or anything like that but there were moments where i was just like hey i'm like emotional like i'm I'm like sad for events that are transpiring for people that i care about now yeah this is yeah. like weird i felt i felt really emotionally connected to it and like that's one of the things like i, I wrote a piece about it uh this weekend for heat vision and like one of the things i talked about was kind of this like uh maturity that i had found um without michael bay and like i i like michael bay too um mm-hmm. But I, like you said, like you have to be in a certain mood uh, for his work. And I also think that I don't think that he's necessarily like interested in uh, like the idea of like maturity. Like I think that his characters very much like kind of have this like uh, immortal, you know, sense to them. And I think that there's a very like, immortal and like youthful idea of masculinity that's kind of like born out of the 80s and 90s that i think he's really drawn to Mm -hmm. and i think that what makes bad boys for life work so well is it kind of it moves past that and it says you know like the 90s are over and you know like you got to look at yourselves as like an adult man and where you are you know in your life now and it's not only like about like being just like a better human being but also like being a better cop which i think is interesting Mm -hmm. too because i mean like as fun as the first two bad boys movies are like it's always been one of those things with like the the freeway chases with all the cars flipping and i'm like there had to be so many civilian casualties (laughs) like even though like i think that you know uh captain howard like says on the second one like good thing that there weren't any like casualties that happen i'm like there's no way like yeah, they're kind of like, like bad cars like flipping over on a freeway but i i like the fact that like bad boys for life actually like talked about like collateral damage and like the responsibility for like your actions and like thinking first you know before you jump into something and how that's part of your legacy too like as as much as like this like reputation that you've built up for yourself like like bulletproof mike you know, as important as that is, like, what's more important is also, like, the people that you, like, leave behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this interesting thread with Gemini Man I found in this film, <laughs> where it's, like, yeah. that film is kind of about, like, Will Smith's character, like, all right, I'm, I'm I'm putting this behind me because I I need to live a life. And in this one, he's like, no, no, this is all, this is, the thread is that Marcus really just, this is all he has. Or Mike Lowry, excuse me. This is all he has, like the rush, the thrill, and like he can't see past that. And the fact that at some points in the film he even starts to recognize that like scares him. Yeah, it's like this really compelling drama. Yeah, it was um, yeah. yeah, no, I was gonna say also with Gemini Man, there was like a surprising amount of like, um, well, I guess it's like two movies now where it's like Will Smith and like his like legacy. So it's like like his son he didn't know about or like a clone he didn't know about. Spoilers. Yeah. Bad spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, how it draws on that, like, it never feels cheap. And, like, it totally is, like, high melodrama. Mm-hmm. But the film even has fun with that because, like, the villains are, are Mexican cartel. And I have feelings about movies continuously doing that given the state yeah. of America right now. Mm-hmm. But, like, I could, I can kind of, I like bad boys enough to separate it. If someone can't, I also completely get it. The world's not in a great place. But yeah. um, the film has, I think, fun with the format because it's like, oh, they're like Marcus like loves uh, telenovelas now because he's spending time with like the other grandparents and stuff <laughs> in Miami, and yeah, so they they're watching like the drama unfold with with, um, with the like villains, and they're like, oh my god, it's just like the show. <laughs> like, the telenovelas are really are engaging. They're so engaging. Like when someone like cheats on someone, or like when there's like a random fist fight in like the home. 
like yeah, yeah. yeah to, you get sucked in yeah yeah sure. i was gonna uh, say um like so for that after credit stinger just um jump down a little bit when he gave him the thing i was like just i'm sorry but like the back of my head i was like i wanted will smith to say like could join the suicide squad <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, I was, like, I leaned to my friend. I'm like, do you think he'll join the Suicide Squad? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, like, the vibe I got, too. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I think it's funny because they so obviously called it Bad Boys for Life because they're like, we don't know if we're going to get the, the fourth one, so let's just call this one that. And now it's like everyone likes it, and it's, like, a huge hit. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, we can't call the next one something. So it has to yeah. be, like, Bad Boys Forever or, or right. I don't know. Uh, I, I think Bad Boys 3 would have been just fine. I think people forget that how, it, like, how much people like those first two. Yeah. yeah a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there, this one has, like, the legs to continue, I think. And, and now they, they've hit a wall because they need to, like, keep making good movies. Like, you can't just go back to Bayham after this. Like, that yeah. would feel false, I think. Yeah. And also, um, I was just going to say, like, yeah, like, um, just seeing the characters mature, like, where, where can they go from now? I'm interested. I, I also, yeah. I, I really liked the the ammo characters. Oh, and yeah. Like, that was, like, something in the trailers that I was, like, kind of on the fence about because I feel like a lot of these, like, legacy sequels have introduced, like, you know, younger, like, tech-based, like, you know, group to assist the older crew. And a lot of times they end up just being, like, really annoying and, like, detracting from like the main characters but they like all felt like actual people and like they were engaging and like interesting and i mean like the one dude's like i don't know like struggle with like violence and like mm-hmm. therapy i mean like that's like like michael bay never would have done that like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a ther- yeah i've seen a therapist in like a michael bay movie yeah. although no you know what there's there's two therapy session flashbacks in Bad Boys 2. You know what happens? Oh, that's right. They're the butt of the joke. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then Michael Lowry fucks his therapist. So <laughs> that's what you would get. Yeah, that's what Michael Bay thinks of, like, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah, that doesn't have a place in this movie at this mm-hmm. point. And, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the ammo characters actually, like, they, they all have, like, just enough character to be, like, to not um, impede the proceedings also, you know? Like, they're, they're fun. Like, I would like to see them in another movie. Yeah, and, and they also, like, yeah. added something to the action scenes, too. Like, there was a lot of versatility to the action, which I appreciated. I think that, um, I think Bay like, sometimes, like, struggles with, like, doing, like, a lot of the same thing for, like, too long. You know, there'll be, like, a 15-minute action sequence on, like, a freeway, and it just, like, keeps going and going. You're not really seeing, like, the stakes rise, but I feel like the addition of, like, these other characters and, like, their own, like, specialized sets of skills, like, really helped add some variety to the action yeah and yeah sometimes also with bay like the like the logistics of his action doesn't make sense like um like infamously i think in transformers like the final battle and then even like the the scene where like sam's trying to get away from like that one transformer that's a cop car it goes from like early morning to like night in like one edit one cut you know He he does that a lot in his movies. Yeah, it's a like I I feel like that's a feature at this point. Like it was a bug, and then now it's just like a thing, not just a feature. (laughs) Like whatever, you know. Um, But this one, yeah, the action's a lot cleaner, Mm -hmm. uh, and constantly like engaging and and fun in different ways. Um, Yeah, it sounds like we're all pro bad boys for life. Yeah, we're bad boys for life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got we got to move on because the main topic of the show is aquatic horror films and underwater. But I just want to get this in. Who should mm-hmm. do the next one? Because mm. my pick is always Shane Black for action movies. Yeah. Uh, and I just feel like because he he can be funny and handle drama really well. Mm. Um. I I think they should also not go back up to like a two hundred million dollar budget. But that yeah. that might just be me. Just just keep it like this. Keep it. Make it lethal weapon scale, nothing crazy. Like there's, there's not like a huge plot going on in this movie, mm-hmm. and it works so well because it just lets the characters breathe. Yeah, which again is just fucking weird for a bad boys movie, and turned out to be the best decision. But like, I, I just, yeah. I, I would like that. I'd like to see continue. like the same like team actually like return. Like I, I think these directors, and like I'm not, I'm not familiar with their work outside of this. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've done, like, a, a couple, like, 
smaller because uh, they're Belgian. So I think they've done like a couple of like smaller Belgian films. But I'm just I'm I'm really excited about like I feel like they're like these new voices in like the action genre, and I'm like pretty excited to see where they go. So I'd like to see them uh, return and. Also, yeah, like the budget for this was like ninety million, which I think is like so impressive. Like for you know today when, you know, I mean, if you're spending like almost like two hundred million dollars on a Doolittle movie, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh my god, to, to make a Bad Boys movie for ninety million, it's just it's awesome, and yeah. clearly like it's working out in, in their favor. Oh yeah, how much is? Uh, I'm sorry, it's like how much is Doolittle gonna lose? Oh. <laughs> Well, like, back to back with the cats release, someone's oh, someone's losing the job at Universal. It's kind of sad. Doctor Doolittle, it's Doolittle. <laughs> well, at least Robert Downey Jr. still has Iron Man. Oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <yeah. laughs> he he's not crying over lost money. That dude has like three countries in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. but but anyways, yeah. Uh, Bad Boys for Life. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Uh, okay. Also, hell yeah. At least for me, was underwater. Not a perfect film. Mm-hmm. I got I got some some smaller some smaller beef, uh, but I think overall this is a movie that kicked my ass, and I really had a great time. And I'm pretty sure, as everyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I'm very pro Kristen Stewart, and Kristen Stewart action star is something I'd like to see a lot more of. Hey, um, Richard, uh, what were your thoughts on Underwater? Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with uh, with Underwater. I. I love the whole like <clears throat> aquatic horror thing, which we'll get into. But um, I mean, I think you know it got a lot of like comparisons to Alien like early on. But I also I felt like it's one of those movies that just reminded me of like when I was a kid and just like falling in love with like monster movies. Like it's just like the kind of of movie that you would like just like catch on TV and just be like, oh, what is this? You know, and cool creatures and a cool cast and set design and i just thought it was a a really fun and uh you know stylish uh entry into that yeah uh gene thoughts yeah i was uh i was really intrigued watching it um it's very lovecraftian and uh yeah i mean like the way they just like throw you into it it's just like one monologue and it's like oh shit's happening on the screen <laughs> i'm like oh that's cool like, um, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, was, the, the alien vibes were strong with this one for sure, and I know yeah. everyone says that, but like, I actually wish it was more there. Like, I, I think some people saw that as like a detriment. I'm like, look, when you're making so many movies at a certain point, like you're gonna have some crossover with influences, and like, yeah, that doesn't well, mean anything, you know. Well, I'll, <laughs> like, I'll, I always say that like line from Swingers was it like uh, I think uh, one of the char- I think like John Favreau says it where it's like oh you know where they copy the shot in Goodfellas, it's like. Oh, come on. It's just, it's movies. Everyone copies everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like, Quentin Tarantino made a career out of that, and he's, you yeah. know, one of the best <laughs> yeah, to ever do exactly. it. Like, there there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And I actually wish I had more alien vibes, because I like the characters, and, like, if, here's what I'll say, because T.J. Miller, he dies the worst possible way, and I, like, cheered. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Miller. but like um if he wasn't like a piece of shit like that character would have been like fun you know and like i liked all the actors and the, the characters like i just want to spend more time with them beforehand and that's like the beauty of something that's slow paced like alien before it's just like no you're ro- you're in a roller coaster ride now and now everything's going to shit like this one yeah. is just a roller coaster ride with some really great character stuff in it and i'm, I'm fine with that it's just a, a personal preference thing yeah. um this is also shot by the same director of photography as I believe Rango and the Ring remake, uh, directed by Gore Verbinski and a cure for wellness. So I, I, I really love that that dude's work, Bojan Bacelli. Yeah. And uh, he I think he he gets some it, it takes the, the movie a minute to find its footing for me at least. Just uh, not just because we're thrown into the action, but just mm-hmm. like the way it's cut and uh, the propulsion. I, I wanted to settle a little more and then by the back half when things are ratcheting up even more in ways I was like oh we're going here mm-hmm. um, well, which we have to talk about spoilers for this because the director confirmed something that I was like no that's not what that was um, wait well, what, what happened 
Okay, so I guess we'll just jump to the end really quick, and then we can talk a little bit about my <laughs> Sure, yeah. Like, no, I'm like, legitimately curious. <laughs> okay, so uh, an- another friend of the show, Andy Gomer, um, had mentioned, because we saw it the same day, and I liked it much more than him. Andy, if you're listening, you're wrong. Uh, but he was <laughs> like, oh, like, what'd you think about Cthulhu at the end? And I was like, that wasn't Cthulhu. It's just inspired. Like, the same way it's inspired by Alien, it's probably inspired by Cthulhu, too. And then the director, like, literally two days before recording this was like, Oh, yeah, like, that was Cthulhu. Like, at first, we were just like, we need, like, a weird monster. We pulled designs from this, from this. Then they realized they had made Cthulhu, and they're like, well, let's just, let's just make him Cthulhu. And so that's Cthulhu at the end of the movie. Uh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, I was wrong. But it's that's like, like uh, oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't have said that. The Lovecraft estate's going to go after him. <laughs> <laughs> now they're, the purists are going to gonna wild out. Um, but, uh yeah, the, the cast, I'm a big fan of. Um, and that, that first dude who gets it, like, he's like the nicest guy ever, and he dies horribly. Yeah, I was a little bummed at how early uh, he went out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping T.J. Miller got that helmet. But then he dies, like, in a similar horrible fashion, so I was like, yeah. all right, that's pretty good. <laughs> like, when they're describing it and you hear the noise... I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he got ripped out of his suit. Like, my brain can't even, like, picture what that looks like. Yeah. And I'm just like, all right. If that's the last time we ever see T.J. Miller on screen, you know, like, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jessica Henwick is also, like, a big standout for me because we all watch the Marvel Netflix shows, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't finish all of them, but yeah. I was pro the Marvel Netflix shows. And, uh, like, I never finished Iron Fist. But I saw her in the Defenders and in the, the the Blue Cage crossover episode, and she was really great. And I, I hadn't been familiar with her stuff. And I guess she has like a small appearance in Force Awakens as an X-wing pilot. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's uh, one of the she's one of the leads in the Godzilla vs Kong movie that's coming out. Yeah. Oh yeah, please got the lead. I'm no. scared. <laughs> uh, it does it doesn't mean it's gonna be bad. It just. I understand yeah. that yeah. after returns on King of the Monsters, which we are also a pro King of the Monsters podcast, so that. check that. Um, yeah, yeah, she, guys... she's she's really great, and she's basically the co lead by the end of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really cool because I was like, hear... oh, they're dead. Yeah, did you guys hear? Uh, she almost got like the role of Ray. Yeah, I, I did. I did hear that. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I th- think like there was a couple people that were really close and i, I love daisy ridley so like nothing I, I think she she is ray you know kind of the same way like robert Downey jr is iron man and chris yeah. evans is steve rogers like i think daisy ridley is ray but i also yeah. think it would have been neat to see uh, a woman of color be ray because i think naomi scott from aladdin and uh charlie's angels was also pretty close to getting it and like these yeah. are two great actresses um i i'd like to see them pop up and, and, and more stuff keep getting keep giving them opportunities because they're they're so obviously like stars you know oh for sure they got yeah. that that like legit talent um what did, what did we think about a, a favorite set piece for underwater because all of these have like one big standout set piece and i'm actually a little torn on which one would be my favorite uh richard mine is uh the one with the uh the the dangling bodies of uh of the uh, of the uh, mer creatures, uh, that 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 Kristen Stewart's walking through uh, near the end to get to the the airlock, mm-hmm. um, and you know it, it lifts up and it's the the foot of the of the creature. I thought that was I thought that was really cool. That was a, a really tense sequence too. Yeah, that one's really good uh, because of that like. It's not even a reversal. It's just like, oh, you think she dealt with that? And like, oh, that's right. There's more. Oh, it's it's not that just that there's more. This is attached to a bigger thing. It's like, whoa! I think it keeps going places, you know. And I can't mm-hmm. catch my breath. And uh, credit to the film because I, I expected to be like entertained at least, you know, like and like enjoy most of the cast. But like, it's it's really intense. Like, I, I caught myself like kind of <sighs> catching my breath after every couple <laughs> moments. I was like, damn, yeah. like this is. This is a good January. Like, good, good. Jo- I saw this and Bad Boys for Life within the span of two weeks. Like, <laughs> man, I'm I'm not I'm a happy camper right now. Uh, Gene, yeah. favorite set piece? I would say the uh, I really like the I forgot the specific name, but like the walk that they do 
like just underwater it's just so like tense like they're mm-hmm. in like the suits and um it's also kind of tied when she like finds uh jessica henwick again and like yeah they when they can't even see anything like i i was uh really on the edge of my seat watching that yeah i was getting concerned i was like is she just like did she lose it did something happen you know because like mm-hmm. if it was gonna go lovecraft and that that would be like the thing like the character at the end of at the mountains of madness or, like they look back and they can't even like comprehend sentences anymore yeah i was like oh we're we going there and no um that that would have been really fucked up and i would have been okay with it but i i like that it's a pro like survival story it's, it's like a, a story really about like continuing on and stuff like that and yeah that's something i wish the movie leaned a little more into also again it's not it's not like perfect uh but it's, it'll it'll have a nice little spot on my collection of blu-ray selves um for me i <laughs> just i don't know what my favorite is I, I i like a good ending i think if an ending like if a movie sticks the landing mm-hmm. that tends to be my favorite part of the film and uh the, the whole let's light this shit up line i was like oh fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, that oh, was yeah. that was really kick-ass that was a great way to end the film and uh i part of me does wish because like all these kind of sto- or like not all of them but like a lot of these stories kind of end with like well they made us they sacrificed their life so other people could live and because of like the the journey with depression that the characters had mm-hmm. I, I think it would be cool if a character like that survived not not out of like earning anything or like i just think it it would be cool if a character got a second chance at life almost like that but that that's maybe that's just a diego thing i don't know if it would have improved the movie or made any any change like significantly but it's just a comment i had on that Um, yeah but yeah that was a i really enjoyed underwater and i give give jessica henwick and Kristen stewart more movies together because they're awesome and i uh, I, I wish that this had done like well enough to get a to get a sequel to become a franchise because i feel like I feel like there's some really cool stuff. I mean, they could even like I feel like they could even find a way to bring Kristen Stewart's character back, you know, with like Jessica Henwick like going back. She gets like a, a signal from, you know, that location or something underwater. And I I just I feel like that there's a lot of a lot of places that could have gone. And I think that it's a shame that uh more people didn't go out and see it, especially because like there's, you know, such a call for not only original genre movies, but like, you know, action movies uh, led by women and Mm -hmm. the kind of movies that, you know, remind us of the 80s, but aren't like taking the IP of the 80s. And I feel like this has all of that. And I I feel like a lot of people, uh, a lot more people should have seen it. Yeah, I straight up forgot that it it kind of bombed at the box office. And that sucks because it it deserved a much, much better reception. Um, and I think that's like the key ingredient to these two great January movies we we just experienced. That they're like, yeah, they're taking stuff from the past, but they're not they're not tied to it. They're not just interested in replicating that. They're they're carving their own path and have established some uh, some really cool new perspectives on their respective genres. And mm-hmm. I, I I wish that Underwater had done better. Um, maybe it's an aquatic horror movie thing. So let's talk about that. Uh, how, how do we define aquatic horror? Because, you know, everyone's got a fucking opinion on what horror it even is. You know, it's just like, oh, is that really a horror? Or is it more psychological thriller? You know, I remember hearing that, like, with Get Out. And I was like, you fucking... They're stealing people's <laughs> bodies, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty fucking horrifying. It's not a, it's not a psychological thrill that's, that's being ripped from yourself. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, Gene, how, do, how would you define aquatic horror? Um, well, I think it's, uh, this, like, discovery of, uh, some sort of, like, ancient terror, I would say, or just some sort of, uh, you know, a lot of it has, like, some mystery to it, um, so just anything where just the stakes are just trying to survive underwater, because being underwater is kind of terrifying, like, you know, I mean, I I could swim and everything, but, like, can't hold my breath too long, so, (laughs) yeah, just the suspense and just the, uh, kind of, um, mystery to it i would say defines the genre richard how would you define aquatic horror um well i've spent a lot of time thinking about this actually um 
And I, I, I just kind of classify it as like taking place like in the water or on the water, but um, I think it can it can be creatures that are, you know, of a supernatural like ancient element. But I also think that like things like sharks, uh, oh. also uh, fit in that category or or piranhas. Um, and the one that I, I've been debating back and forth uh, for a while is like whether or not I considered, you know alligator and crocodile horror movies like cool. like crawl if i would consider that an aquatic horror movie um and i think I, i've landed on that that i would um so i would say uh any like fish type or reptile uh creature uh i guess in a that puts people in a, a perilous situation oh. all right I, I like those two responses um yeah, for me, it's it's got to be or set on primarily water, like a, a body of water or even like a pool, I guess. Although there's not too many that take place specifically on a pool. <laughs> I think there was I think there was that one movie like last year or something like that that came out. And it was like about people trying to get out from under a pool that had its like cover put on. And like that, that's a, that, that could be a fun premise. I didn't check it out, but that could be a fun premise. Because um, then like I think it's something like The Abyss. You know, like that's not a straight up like horror movie. It's just kind of like a science fiction movie set in water. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, a friend, a good friend of, of me and the show, Dahlia, had brought up, or I guess had brought up uh, Deep Blue Sea, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, that film, I just remember like what I first saw, like, oh, that's like an action movie. And then as I'm getting older, I'm like, oh, it's, it's, I think it's a great film and like a great experience, but like, I don't think it's that scary or anything like that. But then that leads to like the subjective aspect of horror, of course. And I think I would still classify that as a aquatic horror film because like, you know, it's set out in the middle of the ocean and a sinking ship with sharks trying to kill you, you know, or a sinking station. Uh, But like to me that that would be like one of the peak aquatic horror films, even though it's it's dumb as a sack of potatoes. <laughs> it, it might yeah. be the single dumbest film like in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's why that's, that's like the pleasure of it, you know. And like yeah. then you got something like Underwater, which is actually pretty pretty solid. Not not it's got his brain in the right place and it's heart. Mm-hmm. Um. So what what do we what are our favorite aquatic horror films? Richard, you, you kind of did inspire this with your list. I saw you, you posted, so I'm, I'm going to put a link down to that below on the, the YouTube and SoundCloud descriptions. People can check them out. But yeah, it had like all the Jaws films on there. Um, I believe I saw, I haven't seen it in many years, but the deeply underrated, I think it's called Bait or, or Shark Night. Was that one it? Uh, Shark Knight, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Donald Logue fan, so I got to watch everything he's in, uh, including some real stinkers. But I, he, <laughs> he's like a, a psychotic sheriff, spoilers in that film. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a fun movie. It's, it's crazy. There's also like a music video at the end of the credits. It's like a rap <laughs> music video where they like uh, rap about like sharks. It's like Shark Knight. It's, uh, uh, is it better it's, than... Is it better than, uh, was it Sharkfin? Or what's the one from Deep Blue uh, Sea? Deepest Bluest. Deepest Bluest. Like a Sharkfin. Is it better than that, though? It doesn't have the same hook as that, but it's definitely, oh, okay. it's definitely worth a watch. I'll have to rewatch that soon, then, especially because I, I had no idea about that ending. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's not nearly enough of those. And stuff like underwater not performing is, is this kind of like, oh, man, like, we're, we're, we're losing that and you know like i i love movies that have that swashbuckling feel so like i love stuff like aquaman too which is not mm-hmm. a horror movie but james wan's a horror director and then he yeah. goes balls out with that that sequence at the trench which is just like oh yeah like he he's so obviously like rooted in the horror genre <laughs> with stuff yeah. like that yeah and he's doing the he's producing that trench spinoff movie which i think is going to be like straight up aquatic horror um you know, with I mean, it'll it'll be tied kind of like to the to the mythos he built up in Aquaman, but um, it's gonna be like an actual like horror movie with uh with the trench. Yeah, yeah that looks, I'm, I'm that's really, really down interested. For that. Uh, these I I really like that movie also. Um, and I I'm actually very excited for that. I know some people were like, why did you do a spinoff of that? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? That's awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some other great ones that are definitely a little more underseen. Um, I, believe, yeah. I haven't seen Deep Star 6. I, I know that one's a big fan favorite. Uh, Deep Rising, though, directed by Steven Summers, I think is just like a real fun, solid um, uh, aquatic horror movie. It yeah. takes place on a cruise ship where uh, people are going, like pirates essentially, go onto the cruise ship to, to rob the its, its occupants. And lo and behold, something else is on board. And it is a lot of fun. Uh, I believe he did that like the year before The Mummy. Yeah. Which, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's that's a blast. Uh, and one one of the the fun facts about that one is that uh, if you remember the ending, uh, they they land on an island, and they they see the trees moving and they hear something. You don't see what it was. Uh, Summers actually wanted to uh, reboot King Kong, or uh, <laughs> into a Skull Island thing before um, Peter Jackson's. So he was actually planning on making a sequel to Deep Rising with those characters on Skull Island. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that would have been I'm something. So mad. I'm so mad at right now. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be so awesome if more franchise, like, genre stuff did that? Like, oh, we're going to do a sequel. Okay, cool. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah, we're also going to adapt a separate IP. Like, entirely. <laughs> like, well, this is completely unrelated to aquatic horror stuff. Uh, oh. Sorry, I'll just drop this little random tidbit. But, like, um, like a season of 24, because that show was, like, peak, like, American thrills uh post 9-11 and for season three i guess one of the producers was a big fan of the, the da vinci code and they're like oh jack bauer has to like confront something like a, a vatican conspiracy let's just adapt the da vinci code into a season of television in 24 i'm like that's insane like mm-hmm. i would have loved to have seen that i don't know what it looks like but jack bauer like torturing priests kind of yeah. like <laughs> kick ass just well, like, i was gonna say well, was it like the Die Hard sequel with 24? Die Hard 24-7. That's a great title. Yeah. I know you're not a fan, but that would have owned Diego's life. But yeah, anyways, probably, it would have. Yeah. Die Hard should have had an aquatic set sequel. Oh. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> that that I don't. It's right there. But whatever. Yeah. Um, Speed got one. Oh, Speed, oh. Speed two cruise control. Oh god. Oh, yeah. Oh no. It no. sure did. <laughs> Jan Devant also made the first speed, and that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe the only good film he ever made. I'm sorry. He was an amazing cinematographer, though, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna crap talk. Yeah. I feel like the, the peak of aquatic horror is always going to be Jaws, and that's kind of unfair because, you know, it's Jaws. <laughs> uh, but, like, that one, you just you can't go wrong with that. That movie's so good. Like, I'll be watching scenes at the dinner table, like, with the family, like, you know, and then... Uh, Roy Scheider's son's mimicking his movements. I'm just like crying because it's so good. Like that's that, that's hard to to beat. Um, let me see what else we got. Have you guys revisited Lake Placid anytime soon? I remember that one no. being like well liked, but that might have just been younger Diego. <laughs> that's one that I've actually never seen. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I'll yeah. have to I'll have to rewatch it because uh, Crawl. I, I was a big fan of Crawl. Like. There was time, like, after I saw it, I was like, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like, I was kind of like, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. And then I rewatched it recently. I'm like, no, no, no. That movie kicks ass. That, yeah. That's Crawl's Tarantino's fun. favorite movie of 2019. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, uh, Leviathan is probably my favorite of, uh, like, outside of Jaws, you know, being a classic. Leviathan, uh, George P. Cosmatos, who's actually uh, Panos Cosmatos. Uh, director of Mandy's dad. That's right. Um, he also directed Cobra. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Leviathan is awesome. It has a uh, uh, Peter Weller in it uh, and Ernie Hudson, uh, Daniel Stern, nice. and it's like a it's like a mashup of um, of Alien and The Thing underwater. Mm. Oh, that owns. Yeah. All right. So I got I got to watch that one. That that one sounds like it just jumped to the top of my watch two list. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, but to wrap up the the episode, um, in honor of Avatar two and Aquaman, because apparently those are the only movies that are going to be set near water after Underwater's performance at the box <laughs> office. Uh, what film franchise do you guys think should have a sequel set primarily in or around water? Uh, I had a really random one. All like right, it was, uh, it was the only thing that came to my mind. Um, Ninja Turtles, because they have a lot of aquatic villains. 
like <laughs> Leatherhead, the giant crocodile that's not like Killer Croc or the lizard. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like, yeah, that'd be interesting. Like they're, they're trying to fight the foot in some aquatic facility and then they get trapped underwater. And I think they could kind of breathe underwater. Yeah, turtles. turtles can breathe underwater. Yeah, like those turtles can. They, are they, they need water to survive. Yeah. So I don't know. They'd have to be limited in their movements, martial arts wise. And yeah, it might be <laughs> difficult for them. <laughs> I'll pitch that to Michael Bay. If, I don't know if he still has a license, but maybe. <laughs> uh, Richard, what do you think should have a sequel set in or around water? Uh, I think that a, a Purge movie uh, set like on a on a cruise liner that just like shuts down in the ocean and starts to sink and the Purge start and you got all these like people in masks just like hunting others. I think that would be really interesting. Uh, I don't know. I've always like wanted to see like kind of like a, a big slasher movie like set. Uh, like on the water and not like Jason takes Manhattan where like you're like not really he doesn't really do much he just like kind of like mm-hmm. creeps around the, the boat but something that like really utilizes that space and utilizes water and you know the uh, a ship you know steadily filling up with water and people having to swim for their lives I think could be really cool oh hey that's that's a good one um oh really quick the one I didn't mention and i totally should have mentioned was the shallows i love the oh, shallows so yeah. much shallows um, is great yeah i that and uh 47 meters down which i did not give enough credit to on uh on its initial release has some really great set yeah 47 for. meters down is really cool yeah, um, that's i like i like the director recent, now there's a recent one that just came out on netflix uh on christmas called sweetheart um by jd uh dillard it has a oh, Kiersey right. Clemens in it. Oh. And, uh, that one is really, that one's a really cool one. Um, yeah, Blumhouse produced it. Yeah, I remember hearing like people bummed that that didn't get a theatrical release because apparently it was like a real crowd pleaser by the end. But, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I guess my my underwater sequel or my, my, my sequel around it is like, I, I kind of gave it away already. Like I'd like a diehard sequel on there. Like, uh, like I know we got speed two already, but like I've always said, I don't think the premise of that is bad. It's just the movie doesn't work, um, like yeah. at all. And like John McClane is just like a dude who's like grumpy, drunk, and like tired all the time. She was like, "I'm going on vacation," you know, on a cruise ship. <laughs> gets taken over by by another Gruber or something like that, and just yeah. I, like it's right there. I don't I don't know why they never put him on a cruise ship. I guess maybe. Speed two, like just like turned everyone off from like cruise ship thrillers, <laughs> which like, uh, I, I get okay. it after that, but like I don't know that to me that seems like a, a perfect setup. Either that or put them in Hawaii. That's those those are my suggestions, <laughs> or or maybe like a Nice Guys sequel. It takes place in like the the piers around Los Angeles because you already saw like the other stuff already. But I also just want more Nice Guys. Basically, I want action movies to take place in the high seas. Um, <laughs> But that's it. Uh, some other people tossed in their their favorite uh, aquatic horror films on, on the Lawful Press Twitter. So I just want to read out some of those. Uh, Leviathan from Dawson Joyce. Uh, the, the, yeah, that's the one Richard mentioned. And I guess I'll, I'll have to check out. Uh, Deep Rising from At The Mighty Mark. Because also, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. At Ginger Henry, The Abyss and Into the Deep which I have not seen into the deep uh, underwater is my fave. Now I'm like, yes, good on you. Ginger Henny uh, at emperor OTN one. I wonder who that is. That deepest bluest. My head is like a shark fin. Uh, yeah. Lots, lots of great choices and uh, a really underutilized genre. So let's, let's do our, our part to make underwater, underwater aquatic horror, like have a comeback. Make sure underwater is your first Blu-ray purchase of the year because it deserves it. Uh, Richard, thank you again. Sorry, I went a little long, but thank you for joining us. I'm, I'm no, always happy to talk to you on. Fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Richard L. Navy. Uh, yeah, please go check out everything he does. There's, you, you're a great voice in in the the, the film space, and you're mm-hmm. also like. It helps that you're not a huge asshole, of course, but you also have like really great perspectives on things and you, you're always great to have a conversation with uh, on a podcast 
in the Twitter sphere, anything. Just, yeah, please go support and check out Richard. Uh, Gene, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Gene9892. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Diego Crespo. And check out the Waffle Press on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can support the show and help us to not starve to death. Or, or get trapped if we're trapped underwater and we don't have enough Patreon supporters. What oh, are we God. gonna do? I don't. I don't know. Um, and of course, don't forget to also like this uh, video or or uh, mm-hmm. bit on SoundCloud. Uh, retweet the episode from the the Waffle Press account mm-hmm. and uh, subscribe on YouTube and SoundCloud for a chance to win a digital code. And again, the winner we chose at the end of the week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.